At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The following is an exclusive presentation of the Carolina Panthers and the National Football League. Yeah! Touchdown! This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. We didn't play our style of ball, number one. We didn't stop the run. You're talking about 157 yards. And we didn't establish a run, 21. And that, that's our game. And uh, they came in here and uh, they did, you know, exactly what we were trying to do. And, you know, we got to find a way to correct it. And it's what uh, we're going to do next week. And now, along with Jim Zoki and Eugene Robinson, Here's Anish Shroff with Panther Talk, live from the Panthers broadcast facility at Bank of America Stadium. Christmas week in the Carolinas and across the country, across the world. Anish Shroff, Jim Zoki, Eugene Robinson has M&Ms. That's right. Lifesavers. Not to save us. Bag of chocolate, standard fare for Eugene this time of the year. Panthers coming off a loss to the Steelers. <laughs> Still a lot to play for with three games left in the regular season. The Lions come to Bank of America Stadium this weekend. It's the final regular season home game. And we've got Coach Steve Wilkes on the line. Let's bring him in. Coach, when you get through yesterday, you get through most of today, you go and watch the film from that game where did you sort of diagnose, you know, where where that game went south for you guys? Uh, well, it, it starts up front, and we didn't do a great job of what we've been able to establish in the past, which is really controlling the line of scrimmage, uh, offensively as well as defensively, uh, stopping the run and being able to, um, you know, create a new line of scrimmage and uh, get our run game going. So that, to me, is where it started. Uh, and that's what we got to get corrected quickly this week. Coach, when you watched the film, was that an effort thing? What, what do you attribute that to? Uh, I, I definitely don't equate it to be an effort thing because, uh, you know, we continue to fight throughout uh, the game, uh, even to the end. Uh, it just wasn't our normal style of play. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it goes back to every little detail, you know, executing uh, our technique along with our fundamentals. Um, those guys did a great job, um, you know, defensively, you know, penetrating, playing downhill. Uh, we got to do a much better job really playing with our hands and getting off at the second level and trying to give the running back opportunity to be able to hit the hole. Uh, likewise, you know, the running backs got to have great vision and it's not always going to be clean and pretty, but we got to be able to, you know, cut back against the grain and make some things happen um, in midstream. And so, Coach, do you treat this game 
like the Cincinnati Bengals game. It just kind of reminds me of uh, Coach Holmgren, and we had a, a bad outing, and it was uncharacteristic of our defense, uncharacteristic of our offense. And as as we come in on Monday, it was like we watched very little film, we put it to bed quickly, and we moved on. And I know you did that against Cincinnati Bengals. So do I, you treat this game the same way? Uh, Eugene, I, I think you have to uh, in regards to – uh, coming on, a, uh, coming off a, a game like that and having a short week, just like we did against Cincinnati, as you alluded to, you know, playing Atlanta on Thursday night. So uh, we'll quickly put this thing to bed uh, and really get forward uh, on uh, to Detroit and really trying to establish uh, a great game plan and put our guys in position to be successful. Coach, I also, uh, quickly as a quick follow, I also heard one of your comments after or talking to the, the crew about – putting on the pads on Wednesday, there's something to be said about padding up and and getting after it. Just even if you're doing that short periods, 907, whatever it may be, there's something to be said about that. Well, it creates a mindset. And, you know, as a coach, particularly, you know, in my position being a head coach, you try to go back and look at every different scenario and trying to figure out that this have anything to do with uh, the outcome of the game. Well, last week, um, you know, coming off a long flight, long physical game, I had already de- determined that we were going to take the pads off and, you know, and really try to emphasize, uh, you know, our weapons technique moving forward uh, this past week. But this was the first week since I've taken over that we were not in pads and uh, it showed. So uh, we're putting the pads on, even though it's a short week, we're getting back to, you know, what, what is considered to be our identity, mm. you know, uh, blue collar, hard nose, and uh, I, I think the guys will, will appreciate that. I've talked to the leadership committee today, and uh, they're all for it. And, Steve, uh, having not been too far off your bye week and being in relatively healthy shape overall, there's always some injuries there, does that kind of help you have that opportunity as well with the padded practice this late in the year? Uh, it, it does, and we're pretty healthy, uh, believe it or not, at this time, as you just mentioned, of the year, that's when you really um, don't have a lot of your guys. But, um, you know, our training staff, uh, has done a tremendous job in getting guys back as quickly as possible. Uh, the guys have worked hard in the training room trying to get themselves back. So uh, we're pretty healthy going into this game. And, of course, you know, in-game, uh, the most significant injury of note was uh, was C.J. Henderson. How much did that kind of change the dynamic with your secondary once uh, once that changed? Obviously, you guys uh, had to make some adjustments there in-game with that. Well, you know, he, he's a dominant, uh, dominant player. And uh, when he's out, uh, you know, we definitely miss him, but uh, this is the National Football League and, and next man up mentality. And we got to step up and perform. And, you know, uh, you know, Keith has some opportunities to make some plays. Uh, he got to come up with those plays, particularly in a critical situation on third down. Uh, I still have a lot of confidence in Keith, and I'm looking for him to bounce back this week. And, Coach, and to Keith and Taylor's uh, point, I was thinking about him because he was inside technique. There was a third down critical situation, and then he almost looked like the guy was about to run a go route, and he turned his hips when he almost didn't have to turn his hips. He could actually broke down on that deep end, that dig, and make the tackle to stop him or even break up the pass. But I thought he was beaten by technique, and not. And I thought that was a, a, a function of the fact that maybe not being in that that first class role, the you know being a starter. Maybe that has something to do with that. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I, I think I think you're right in regards to uh, the technique. You know, we've had those situations uh, numerous times 
uh, with different corners. And Keith has had his opportunity to, to be in that situation as well, uh, predicated off certain pressures that are called. And, and that was a pressure that we knew that the quarterback could not hold on to the ball. And uh, we got to make sure that we maintain our inside leverage position, trust the uh, call, trust the technique. And you're right, if he would have stayed square, oh, my he would have right there to break up the ball. Break up the ball. Coach, I, I want to follow up on the on what you said about the pads. And you mentioned it at your press conference for folks who didn't listen to it earlier. But there are rules, right? You can only have so many. You get, what, three in the last seven weeks. So you use it this week. You kind of have to be strategic about it, too. Like, we've got to make it count with these padded practices. Well, yeah, we, we have one left. And, you know, there's nothing more important than the next game. So we're not holding on to anything. You know, we're going to use it this week to try to create the mindset that we need uh, to win this football game. So we don't want to linger too much on Pittsburgh since it's a short work week. Looking ahead to Detroit, this has been a really interesting Lions team. It starts out 1-6, and six, and now they've gone 6-1 and one since that point to get to 7-7, seven and seven, one of the hottest teams in the league. What, what are you seeing with your early study and analysis as you get deeper into the week of what the Lions have done to turn their season around? Well, I, I think, number one, they've created uh, identity in all three phases. You know, these guys uh, are physical. Uh, it's going to be another physical football game for us uh, across the board. I think they do a great job, uh, you know, really trying to establish the run game uh, defensively. They fly around, um, you know, they show you different looks, 4-3 base, but uh, different looks, different pressure packages and those kind of things. So, uh, you know, a lot of credit to uh, Coach Campbell. He, he has these guys, you know, playing uh, at their best ball at the right time. And, you um, I'm looking forward to the, uh, to you know, to the opportunity this week, you know. So I, I can't wait to see our guys bounce back. And, Coach, does the mantra that you said, protect the bank, does that still go forward? Because I, I think that is one of the things that they need to continue to go and do, even though they lost. Uh, I, I think, you know, our mindset is all about winning the next one. Rather we, you know, at home or on the road. Gotcha. You know, it, it's just basically, you know, we, we got to get this next one. So – uh, you know, that's going back to Eugene, in my opinion, uh, back to the base fundamentals, uh, technique. Um, and, and I'm telling the coaches as well as the players when they get here, you know, sometimes less is best this time of the year. But we got to execute, and, and that's going to be our main focus. Coach, I think I know the answer to this question, but how much are you paying attention to yeah, the, the surroundings within the division and playoff implications here over these next few weeks? You know, uh, Anish, I got blinders on. Blinders. <laughs> I had a feeling you'd say Blinders, go. Yeah, I got blinders <laughs> on, and, and it's, it's really about us. I'm really putting the focus uh, back back on this football team and really getting these guys locked back into, you know, what we have to do as a team. You know, because, again, we that wasn't indicative of who we are, and it starts with me and trying to recapture this. So it's about, you know, uh, regrouping, refocusing, and getting back to work. So – uh, it's all about Detroit, and it's all about us. And Steve, this is more of a comment than a question, but I'll let you respond to it. I, I feel like when you've got a leader in place that from the top down, they echo what the guy at the top says. And when I hear Sam Darnold talk and I hear players and some of your assistants talk, it, it's very similar to what you say, what you're saying to us right now. Is, is that part of what, what is creating a culture here in terms of moving forward? Is that everyone seems to be kind of rowing together on this thing and, and to get that same idea? 
when when you when you're trying to establish a culture, that's that's one of the main things that you look for. Are we all speaking the same language? You know, uh, my message is their message. You know, and they have a clear understanding each and every week, each and every day. You know, you know what the expectations are. And, you know, we try to do the best as we can trying to control our own narrative. So uh, those guys have clarity in, in what we want. Uh, and, and it's great to know that they are echoing the same thing. You know, Coach, we know that coaches come up with different schemes to go ahead and beat the opponent. And we always say football players make plays. You, you got to make plays to, to go ahead and win or if you're going to lose a game. But yesterday you took credit for the loss. You say it's all on you I want you to explain what does that mean as you talk to the team and talk to the, the people outside who are out here listening well I think when when you have a lapse uh, of a game that again is not indicative of who you are uh, and what you've been putting on tape uh, I, I put all that back on me to say okay where did we go wrong throughout the week in our preparation you know sometimes you see individuals uh, you know struggle uh, at maybe various positions. Uh, but when we can't stop the run and when we can't establish, uh, establish a run uh, up front on offense, you know, what we've been doing in the past, I put that back on me and try to figure out, okay, what, what, what do we got to do better? And uh, all that starts with me. So uh, I've talked to the coaching staff about a numerous of things that I feel like we need to correct and what we got to do moving forward to get this thing back going right. Well, Coach, hopefully on Saturday we see the Panthers team that we've been seeing of late that has an identity and that's got great messaging top down from you and down to your leadership. But uh, we appreciate your time, appreciate the honesty, and happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and your fam, Coach. Likewise, uh, happy holidays to everyone and Merry Christmas. And um, as always, keep pounding. Thank you. Thank you, Coach. Thanks, Coach. Steve Wilkes, head coach of the Carolina Panthers and – yeah, a tough loss on Sunday because, you know, Eugene and Jim, you guys were talking about it after the game as well. This team had really forged an identity over these last three, four weeks, and that looked out of character. You didn't expect that. And you know, I do wonder, not having the pads during the week, what impact that had when your brand is to pad up and to beat the snot out of people. I'm telling you – I. I, I know that we would be padded up when I was playing in Green Bay and we were padded up. And it wasn't until the, we were in the playoffs that you know, Coach Holcomb started to take the pads off and whatnot. And you, you're going a lot easier. And, and the reason is that there's something to be said about when you got to go ahead and do that thud tempo, get in position, you've padded up. And so now it's like, I got the A gap. Well, you better take the A gap because there's going to be a guy in there who's going to root you out. And it's only thud, but it almost simulates that it's a live situation, and it gets your mindset ready to go ahead and bang live. So I like having a padded practice a week because it really changes your mindset like, oh, this is for real. And really big picture, as Anish pointed out, there's only so many with NFLPA and collective bargaining that I you know. can do. To the detriment, honestly, while you while health is important, I mean, it's not full – like you said, it's not full speed like we, like a football game on a yeah, Sunday. And we had our bye week so late in the season. Yeah. So I mean, to me, it's like you—if you don't practice things like tackling to some degree. Again, I'm not talking about talking uh, no, about down yeah. to the ground tackling, but just you know that that thud and just having the pads on and practicing what you do in the games. It shows up for all the teams. I'm talking about the quality of football in, in the league is, I think, a little bit uh, less clean than it would be if they allowed it. Everybody knows how to go a thud tempo. Everybody knows when you got the pads on, I face you up, boom, I hit you, but I'm not 
going through you, but I'm in your way that you have to go through me, and there's some contact. You go, oh, okay, and and you know how to to make that contact less so it's not full speed. And so everybody's been able to do that. I mean, we do nine on seven. We do uh, uh, like a, a blitz pickups. We do all that stuff. You're not taking anybody out on the ground. You're doing a thud tempo, yep. and the thud tempo is important. It helps out. All right, we have to take a break. Eugene's got three unopened lifesavers, oh, you know so he right. needs to go to work on <laughs> those during the commercial break. Plenty to do on this show. We'll hear from Eddie Pinheiro, who caught up with Jim Zoki. Eddie has not missed a kick since missing that potential game winner in overtime against the Falcons. We'll have Eric Woodyard on as well from ESPN.com. Detroit, he covers the Lions. He'll share intel on Carolina's next opponent. This is the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. This is Panther Talk, brought to you by Bank of America, official bank of the Carolina Panthers. We dug ourselves in such a, a big hole, but, you know, the way that we continue to fight and try to persevere and, and, you know, and make some plays down the stretch I thought was encouraging. You know, the one thing that set us back was third down convergence, and uh, we didn't do a great do- job defensively, you know, allowing them 12 to 16, and then, of course, we couldn't convert uh, on third down, which was a direct resort of time of possession, which they had 36 to our 23. Panther Talk continues on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. With Jim Zoki and Eugene Robinson and Ishraf, this is the broadcast roundtable brought to you by Sitco. Keep your engine clean with tri-clean Sitco gasoline. Sitco, let's go together. I was thinking on the drive over, there's a famous Seinfeld episode where George Costanza shouts at Jerry and he goes, do you ever just thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? (laughs) And I kind of feel we're in this phase with the NFC South. We know the NFC South. We have access to the NFC South. We live in the NFC South, which means at five and nine with three games left, there's an awful lot to play for. Cincinnati doing the Panthers a solid. Yes, they did. Down 17 nothing, 34 unanswered. Tampa couldn't get out of its own way in the third quarter. It was a bad call on the fake punt, whatever happened there, and then four turnovers. Jim, I look at this season, and, you know, it's the godfather line, too. Just when you think I'm out, I'll pull you right back in. <laughs> yep. There's still an awful lot to play for. You're a game out of the division. You've got a head-to-head game against Tampa the only thing is I'm not sure that margin for error exists anymore. Probably have used uh, almost all that up. And part of that is these teams play each other. So somebody had to win. And it turned out to be New Orleans yesterday against Atlanta. Yep. So even if it's within the division, somebody's going to win a game. And uh, on top of the Detroit Somebody game, also has to win the division. Somebody could win this maybe with six and eleven. Like you gotta get. I know, right? We gotta, we, we're not we're not even bowl eligible yet. <laughs> I know. And you're right. Tampa Bay is is not good. I mean, they look so. Bad. I'll have to say, I only saw the second half because when they had the lead, I didn't see that part of the game. But when I got home, out of the parking deck traffic uh, to get home yesterday, I watched the four turnovers in the second half, and they don't look good. They don't look like a good team. I mean, I would still say, even with the Panthers' loss on the eyeball test with Atlanta and New Orleans, I still think Panthers have the best team. Now, the record may not, at the end, work out in their favor, uh, but they do control that destiny, as Anish was saying. If they win that game uh, against Jim, the- Jim, don't do that to me. You can't control destiny. <laughs> I'll die on that hill. <laughs> <laughs> they they control their destiny, but but well, yeah, they do. You you win that game, uh, you win New Orleans. Um, 
to me, it's like Detroit's a very important game. But if you win those two division games, say if you go two and one the rest of the way, that that would probably go most of the way to, to winning the South. This Detroit game is just like the Seattle Seahawks game. You got to go ahead and win that game in Seattle to prove your worth. You have to go ahead and protect the bank, and you got to prove your worth by winning against a team that everybody thinks is a playoff caliber team. They are playing Detroit some really good football as well as anybody. And you don't want to. Uh, and here's the when you're winning. It's it's contagious. I mean, it's it really is contagious. And I like the fact that Coach said this was kind of an anomaly. This is something that is uncharacteristic. Throw the film away because this is not who we are. We run the ball with you know extremely well, and we stop the run, and and we're fast on defense. None of that stuff was apparent yesterday. So th- this had to be an anomaly. This had to be something that was. Fictitious. So I'm waiting for the Carolina Panthers, the real team, to show up because that team can go ahead and take on a Detroit and bust a Detroit in the face legally. And this might be this might be searching a little bit, but when you when you look at that game, you know it felt Pittsburgh dominated, but the Panthers were in striking distance exactly most of the afternoon. And as lopsided as the game felt at times, just because they were beating us up in the trenches. The scoreboard said otherwise. They were in the game, and I'm and I'm with you. When you look around the rest of the league, Tampa's offensive line is not what it used to no. be. Tom Brady finally looks human. They don't really have the ability to stretch the field vertically in the passing game. Run game's been a mess all season. Defensively, they've taken a step back. Atlanta's now gone to a rookie quarterback who looked like a rookie quarterback making his first start. Their and offense is horrible. They can, they can run, they run, can the, run ball. the ball. They can That's run about ball. it. And – and New Orleans, I mean, yeah, let, let, let's face it, there's been some questionable decision-making there. Um, that's not a good team, and they've got their own quarterback issues too. This is wide open. This is absolutely wide open here in the NFC South, and it's really for the Panthers to go ahead and seize the moment. you got to play every play like it's the last play, one of those cliches, but you got to seize the moment. you got a chance for interception, you got to intercept the ball. You're supposed to be in inside technique, Mr. Taylor. Say inside technique. Good, uh, good technique, and then drive on the ball. Don't turn your hips. Those things work. Technique works, and when you're playing bad, you get back to smash mouth football with good technique. It's a little, although you you can lose. It's survive in advance in a way because you look at the the thin margins. Someone like Houston, they're about guaranteed at this point the first pick in the draft. Take Kansas City to overtime wow. as a two touchdown underdog could have should have won that game yesterday. Easy. That's like almost the top and bottom of this league, and, and that can happen at, you know on any given Sunday. So don't feel good about what happened against Pittsburgh yesterday. But none of this is like you know it's, it's, it's not going to put you in the ground. It's nope. like you can bounce back six days later and beat Detroit and get right back. They beat the Jets by three, and it took a fourth and one 50-yard pass for them yes. to win that game yesterday against the Jets. So who knows? As I mentioned, C.J. Henderson with the ankle injury, the only uh, known uh, significant thing that happened injury-wise in the game yesterday. Update to brought to you by Ortho Carolina. At any of Ortho Carolina's 40 locations, you'll receive the absolute highest level of ortho- uh, orthopedic care po- possible from your first appointment to your full recovery and all the points in between at Ortho Carolina. Better choice and official team physician of the Carolina Panthers. We will still get into the Lions game with Eric Woodyard from ESPN.com Detroit. Coming up next, it's Jim's conversation with Panthers kicker Eddie Pinheiro, who, by the way, is perfect since missing that kick at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers radio network. 
This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Brought to you by Coke, official fan refreshment of the Carolina Panthers. The snap, the hold, the kick, it's up, and it's good! Eddie Pinheiro pumps his fist, claps his hand as he walks off the field. The Panthers lead for the first time. All right, here with Panthers kicker Eddie Pinheiro. And uh, Eddie, it seems like things have really settled in for you and, and the whole special teams group as the season has worn on here. What's your confidence level? How's it feel being part of this team at this point? Yeah, it's, it's been amazing. Um, you know, the snaps, the holds, everything's been great. Field goal unit, um, punt team, everybody's been just really working as a team and it's more like a family you know and your guy uh, JJ Jansen how important is he to the whole operations and just a, a guy that you got to know so well oh man JJ's a legend you know him playing for so many years and setting that franchise record you know that's that's my goal and hopefully one day I can I can do the same thing that he's done and you know, it's a blessing to have him on our team and have him on our side. And Donnie, Johnny Hecker, another guy like that, right? Longtime pro, also in his first season here, but a long time in this league. I mean, you really got a really special, special teams room when you think about all that. Yeah, yeah. You know, Johnny obviously winning a Super Bowl and doing everything he's done. It's, it's been awesome. You know, he gives me a lot of pointers, gives me a lot of tips, how to take care of my body and just different little things differently that, you know, people don't see outside the room, confidence level and a bunch of other things. So it's been, it's been amazing having both of those guys on my on my side. So. Do you feel that JJ takes competition Thursday too seriously? 100%. Way too serious, but I'm coming after him this week. <laughs> what do you got planned this week? Uh, we we kind of just do it on the fly. I don't know what we got this week, but I know JJ's going to start screaming and going crazy, and it's going to be fun, though. And then finally, did, did you have a kicker who might be in the league or passed in the league that was kind of influential in your career that either was someone you kind of idolized a little bit or maybe actually personally mentored you a little bit? Yeah, you know, when I was coming out, I talked to Caleb Sturges a lot. He used to kick for the University of Florida, play for the Eagles, very good kicker, played in the league for a while. Um, you know, so I used to talk to him a lot. Um, Brandon McManus from Denver, you know, we have the same agent, so I stayed in contact with him. Um, so, yeah, it was about those two guys, yeah. Best of luck, Eddie. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks. Back with more on Panther Talk after this. Any Shroff, Eugene Robinson, Jim Zoki with you. Panther Talk continues. The Week 16 opponent coming to the bank on Christmas Eve, the Detroit Lions. And let's get the lowdown on the Lions with Eric Woodyard, who covers the Lions for ESPN. You can follow him on Twitter, E underscore Woodyard, W-O-O-D-Y-A-R-D. Eric, um, we've had an interesting go here in the Carolinas covering this team. It's had a lot of twists and turns, and you've seen some of that in Detroit as well. So thanks for joining us. And how does this team go from 1-6 and six to now sitting at 500 in the thick of the playoff race in the NFC? What contributed to the turnaround? <laughs> Man, where do I start? It's been a roller coaster. <laughs> They started off one and six, win six of the last seven. Uh, it hasn't been one necessarily thing to pinpoint, but if I can give you a list of things, I think it starts with the leader, head coach Dan Campbell. I think he's never, you know, his spirit has never wavered. I think the guys, you know, fed off that. Even when they did start one and six, they was losing those close games. I think, you know, he continued to stay in the ring with guys and continue to motivate guys. If you hear him, you know, he's almost like a WWE. Uh, <laughs> WWE wrestler that comes out with these great speeches. So I think guys are motivated by that. You know, the owner, you know, she came out and publicly backed him. She never wavered her support. And I think from there, you know, guys just drew a law, drew a line in the sand, you know, particularly after that loss versus New England when they were shut out, even though they lost the next one, I think the energy was a lot different. So I think particularly after the bye week, you know, things started to change and they started to see results. 
you know, from there. You know, I think it was just a constant, gradual process of guys not giving up. Well, it looks like, like it was, that's why we're here today. I'm sorry, Eric. This, this is Eugene. It looks like it's part of their DNA because I'm looking at the um, at, at their schedule. They lost to Philadelphia by three points, Minnesota by four points, uh, Seattle by three points, the Miami Dolphins, all of the team by four points. You can see that this team is in every contest, and so that would tell me a lot that their record didn't tell you exactly who that team was earlier. Definitely, definitely. I agree. And then, you know, like, you know, it was so bad out here in Detroit, man, where guys were feeling like this franchise was genuinely cursed, the curse of Bobby Lane. You know, guys had been experiencing so many one-score losses and, you know, all of that, you know, for so long. And it's like now they're starting to get the other side of it as well. So it's like the football guys kind of <laughs> guiding them just a little bit where they're not on the receiving end of the uh, greatest field goal kick in, in, in the history of football and losing those close games. They're starting to put them together and learn how to win. So I think, you know, learning how to win through being in different types of situations, different type of ending, is giving this, these guys confidence and maturity. You know, I talked to Amon Ross St. Brown at the game uh, for a long time last last night at the game. He was that's what he was telling me that this team is confident, and they feel like every step they haven't skipped any steps along the process of this journey. And now it's just like the coin is starting to flip a little bit on their side. What have you seen with the quarterback Jared Goff uh, to lead to? His improvement, or how much has the coaching staff, you know, tailored the game plan to kind of fit his skill set over there since coming aboard in that trade with LA? It's been a few things, man. I think last year he wasn't as confident. I think you know you come from a from the West Coast, you know, not you in the Midwest where it's cold, it's chilly. You know, what I mean that whole grittiness. It was a whole nother vibe out here. So I think he had to get comfortable. Number one, I think number two, they they switched over to Ben Johnson, who's been coming out with these crazy plays. Even you seen him find the offensive. Uh, offensive lineman, Benay Sewell, for, for catches. They're doing all different type of packages and reads and trying new things. And uh, guys are healthy now. It was a point in the season where, you know, a lot of guys were out. A lot of his receivers was out. So I think, you know, you, you go back to his L.A. round, you know, when he was in L.A., you go back. His best football is when he had good threats around him, good good pieces around him. So I think this team is nearly, at, not nearly at full strength, but as best strength as they've, they've been in a while as far yeah. as hell. And I think he's benefiting from that as well. Eric, with Jared Goff, I think going into the season, a lot of us felt he was a bridge quarterback for the Detroit Lions, and he was a placeholder, and you know they can get out of his contract after this season with uh, a minimal cap hit given what he's making, but have the Lions now started to rethink? Is Jared Goff maybe a long-term answer after all he was a number one pick? I think so. I mean, you go back to the general manager, Brad Holmes. He said all along that he's believed in Jared Goff. He was the one that helped in the draft process. You know, he, he said all along that he wasn't a British quarterback, so I, I can only go by what he's saying. Um, and I think, you know, guys, that's why the Lions have put so many pieces around him to try to make him successful because I think they do believe in him. Now, I, in my opinion, I still think they need to get a backup quarterback, whether it's the franchise quarterback for the future or whatever. They still need some depth at that position because I don't trust anybody if, if something was to happen to Jared, knock on wood. But I think guys are believing in him, and I think they should keep him around another season because I don't see a young quarterback coming in and doing what he's able to do as far as managing his team right now. I think that would set back the rebuild process. So I think, yes, they have to be uh, rethinking, is he the long-term quarterback by what he's doing this year? He's, he's proven it. Who, for, us, for us who do, don't follow Detroit that closely, who are the playmakers in the running game and who are the playmakers in the receiving game? In the running game, you got DeAndre Swift. You know, he's like a dual threat guy, can run and catch. But then when you're in the goal line situations, you got Jamal Williams, who's leading the NFL. You know, he was leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns. 
uh, as far as receivers, you got Amarase Brown. He's like a Swiss Army knight. He does it all. You know, the guy's been breaking all type of franchise records and doing things, you know, in that slot position. But then, you know, you got Jamison Williams, who was a number 12 pick, the rookie that just was out of Alabama. He's just coming back and getting his feet wet. Uh, we, we saw him catch the touchdown a week before last. Um, then you got, you know, DJ Chark. You got Khalif Raymond. Those are other receivers. Um, you know, they, so they have this, this, this. It's a lot of offensive weapons that they have, you know, and they have this dynamic uh, offensive coordinator who's coming out with these, these, uh, these, these crazy uh, packages as far as on offense. So I think on offense they're dangerous. It's, it's defensively where they still need some work. As you said, it's it's been uh, not the greatest you know recent history of football in Detroit. How have the fans embraced this team? Because uh, it's been a while since they've had a really competitive team. And again, I know the record is only seven and seven, but uh, coming from one and six to get to this point, uh, have they really caught the imagination of the fans up in Detroit? The fans have always been there. It's crazy. I mean, even though the Lions haven't been to the playoffs since 2016, haven't won a playoff game in over three decades, the fans never left. That's one thing I can say about this team. The fans are, you got to be truly a diehard fan to go through an 0-16 season. You know what I mean? So I think uh, the fans never wavered. I think, you know, they always had that belief. They've always been the underdog. So it's always been like, man, you know, we want to see somebody, some team kind of change that narrative. You know, I think uh, it was hope, you know, when Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson was around. It was hope when Barry Sanders was around. Now, I think, you know, I'm starting to feel that again within, you know, the city. The city is – I mean, they win six out of seven. It feels like, you know, like I say, they're, they're starting to get the other side instead of always be, being a laughing stock uh, of the league. We're talking to Eric Woodyard, who covers the Lions for ESPN. Eric, when the Lions come to Charlotte on Saturday on Christmas Eve, you're going to see a Panthers team that wants to establish the run. Yes, Carolina wasn't able to do that over the weekend against Pittsburgh, but that's when the Panthers have been successful. So, Teams that employ a power running game. How has Detroit fared against those teams this season? It's it's almost been a, a tale of two seasons. So at first they really struggled against that. They really struggled against that run. Now I think it's more of the secondaries where they struggle against. I mean, you look at the game yesterday. Zach Wilson went off, you know, with the Jets. And I think uh, that's where the quarterbacks have been getting off in the air on this team. I think that the running their uh, defensive scheme against the running has been a lot better. You know, you got Aiden Hudson, number two pick. You know, he's been picking it up. And they got James Houston, who's a guy who's been picking it up. Uh, another rookie, you know, who's got a sack in every every game since he's been activated from the practice squad uh, from Thanksgiving. So I think they've been doing a pretty good job against that. But like I say, it's in the air where they really struggle in that secondary. And I think that's going to be something they really need to address this offseason is uh, bringing in some guys to defend that part of the defense better. Well, we're looking forward to the game. And, Eric, uh, hopefully if you're here, we get a chance to say hello before the game. Lions and Panthers catch Eric's work on ESPN.com, covering the Detroit Lions. Follow him on Twitter, E underscore Woodyard. Eric Woodyard from uh, ESPN, Detroit Lions beat reporter. Eric, appreciate the insight. Thank you very much, sir. Appreciate y'all, man. Lions coming to town on Christmas Eve, and, you know, they've – They've turned the page. They've flipped the narrative. They've flipped the script. Uh, in in some ways, much like the Panthers have. Now they're six and one over the last seven games. And offensively, Jimmy, look at the numbers. I mean, they're scoring on everybody. The only loss in those last seven games was a three point loss to Buffalo, yeah. who's currently the one seed in the AFC, <laughs> which was the most Lions football I watched all year because it was at noon on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, but uh, he's right about you know Jamar Williams, fourteen touchdowns rushing. Yeah. I mean, you think about DeAndre Swift being the guy. 
Uh, what a one-two punch they have at running back in addition to what they're doing in the passing game. And what a what a franchise to have both Barry Sanders and Megatron retire early and unexpectedly. <laughs> like as a franchise, how do you overcome one of the top two or three great running backs and two or three great receivers in the history of this league? in a place like that that doesn't get a lot of talent like that. I know. It's, it's incredible. And, and, and someone who played against Barry Sanders, my goodness, absolutely incredible. The best back on earth, in my opinion. Uh, no doubt. One thing, but I think there's one of the Achilles heels for Detroit, I think is defensively. And, you know, Eric alluded to that too. I mean, when you're giving up 48% on third down, 133 yards, 265 yards, that means people are, are are putting the ball in the air against you and then they're running, they're consistently running the ball against you. I'm looking at these numbers over here. Philadelphia put 38 points on them. Uh, the, the Commanders put 27 points. Vikings put 28 points. Seattle put 48 points on them. Now, I know that's earlier, right, and they, they got some of those numbers down, but it's it still means something. It means something. So for when you are looking, if I'm Sam Darnold, I'm going, hey, I can score against these cats. Uh, the Jets just put some, uh, put some passes against these guys. I can do that. That's easy. You know, and that's what you have to be thinking in that direction because there is some vulnerability I see it on the defense. You know, and Luke Keekley brought up a good point off the air yesterday when we were talking after the game. He said, you play a physical team like the Jets. The Jets are really strong defensively. They can beat you up. It's a short week. There's a physical toll. Yes, it is. And now you're going on the road. Eugene, you know about that better than anybody. Absolutely. He's absolutely right because this is a fatigue thing that happens. You're trying. You're just trying to recover. Guys are getting into the, the whirlpool and doing all that stuff. You're trying to do all that stuff to get ready for a game that's about to get here very, very quickly. All right, we'll step aside, take one more break. We'll be back here on Panther Talk here on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Panther Talk continues on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Oh, we've done a pretty good job this season of avoiding real cold weather. That might change this weekend. Where do, where do we go this week? Oh, we're here. Oh, we're here. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think the high is 34, I think. I 35 saw. I saw earlier. Yeah, 34. but when it's minus something, then it's like 10 and then don't, uh, low digits. I mean, that's different. Or that's prepping, different or prepping here in the Langtonian studio because it's like 38 degrees. In yeah, here. I mean, that's different. I mean, you got that's, 34 or even That's mechanically generated like fake snow. In I'm a sitting in here resort. with a scarf. Eugene's got a winter hat. There's a reason <laughs> for it. Hat. I'm just, that's different. But when you got something at eight degrees, what? Man, that's Coldest that's place cold. you ever played, Green Man, Bay? Green Bay and also played the coldest game in Pittsburgh. My goodness, it was like, I don't know, minus 10 degrees with the wind chill factor. Mm-hmm. And when that playoff game we played with well, against the Panthers, it was like with the wind chill factor, it was like minus 10. I bring I bring that up I bring that up Eugene because part of you know this Saturday for the Panthers is going to be reestablishing their identity cold weather game uh, you like to see teams that can run the football uh, we've done a really nice job of that of late Sunday notwithstanding you know and I think it was a, an anomaly I really do because I mean you don't see Taylor Moten get pushed back too often you don't see even the double team blocks, it looked like there was like 12 men on the field for Pittsburgh and we, we were playing with nine or ten. That's what it looked like. Even that four-man rush looked like they had like eight guys rushing. It was just a four-man rush. So that's uncharacteristic. We get back to smash-mouth football, run the ball on the left-hand side, bring Irvin, the, 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 the other tight end in the game, if you will, tackle tight end, and say we're going to run it this way, stop it. Here's, here's and that's what, what you need to do. Here's what smash I think, though, mouth. that matters too. 
is you have to be able to win in a variety of ways to sustain success in this league. And teams are going to know you want to run the ball. Uh, Pittsburgh put the extra big defender in the box yesterday. That's going to happen again with Detroit. Yep. They're going to dare you, as we would, to as we did with Seattle last week, made them throw when they didn't have a running game. And so, to me, I think you've got to be able to have success when you're behind in the score on time. And when you can't run, they take it away, you have to pass. If they're getting after the quarterback, quicker passes, screens, slants, whatever. So I think that's the next step in this overall evolution of this team becoming you know, really good is that uh, they've got to be able to win in different ways. And, and in this league, you do have to be able to throw. And that's when the play action comes on first down. I would tip, if When you're a, running, a really good running team, a play action on first down when you come out the box is always a very good play because everybody expects first and second down, you run, third down, you throw the ball. That's what they expect. First down, you go change it up a little bit. We're going to play action, load the box. We hit dump the ball to the tight end, dump the ball to a quick slant. That's what you end up doing to go ahead and fool the team. So I, I agree with you. Play action needs to be something that's utilized a lot this year. Yeah, there, there was a number I saw in the, the last two games, not Sunday, the previous two games with Sam Darnold. Almost 60% of Carolina's pass yards came off play action. Off play action. And, mm-hmm. and, and we do it extremely well. And when you can't play action and throw the ball, Sam, run. Take off. There were some opportunities for you to go ahead and run. You should have just taken off and run. You're going to beat people with your feet. Yeah, Sam Darnold, two and one as a starter. No turnovers though. Uh, was sacked a few times on Sunday. Panthers again, still very much alive in the playoff race. Yes, they lost on Sunday. So did Tampa Bay. Mm. This NFC South is still wide open. The Buccaneers in first place at six and eight. Then three, five, and nine teams. And only Tampa and Carolina, as we like to say in sports, control their ah. You control can't control the de- can't control, control destiny. They can't control destiny. At Bet three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.